Welcome to fall. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. I hope you're doing well. Uh, I am Todd. My name is Todd. For those of you I don't know, I'm really glad that you're here today. And it is nice to have fall, right? It's October the 1st, and it finally feels like fall out. Today, uh, we begin a brand new series that we've entitled Lion Tamer, and we're going to take the next five weeks, and we're going to be looking into the life of the Old Testament character of Daniel. And it's interesting, often when you mention Daniel to someone who has any inkling of, of the Bible, any inkling of Scripture, they often are taken in their minds to the, the prophecy of Daniel, which is kind of the last half of the book, the, the second half of the book. And uh, what we're going to be doing today, we're going to hit on a, a few little prophecy themes that are echoed in Revelation about what's going to happen in the future, but largely what this message series is relating to is, is the life of of Daniel in the first six chapters of this this Old Testament book that is is so important uh, to our lives and we're going to see from from Daniel's life this this young man who is a man of great character and what we can learn I, I think is so amazing and so huge from his life and I believe Daniel's going to challenge us and and convict us and hopefully encourage us along the way and so before we dive in this morning would you join me in a word of prayer as we commit today to God. Father, we thank you so much for your word. And Father God, we thank you so much for the life of this Old Testament character that uh, maybe we know a lot about, maybe we don't know so much about. But Holy Spirit, as, as we've just given praise to the name of Jesus, and as we've just talked about how the, your Holy Spirit is with us in this place, because your people are gathered in this place. I pray that you, Holy Spirit, would lead us into wisdom and understanding and knowledge of your word. And may you convict us, may you challenge us from the inside out. And Father God, I pray that we would be people who can tame the lions in our lives, that we're prepared for that moment, for that defining moment in our lives where we might have great influence with an influencer. God, may we stand like Daniel did for you and for your word. Be with us now. We give this time to you. May you speak to us in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. You know, it's interesting, in, here in our Western culture in, in America, in, in this Western world, uh, we have seen over the last 20 years kind of a, a decay of Christian values. Now, I realize that some of you are like, Man, this is my first time in church in a while, and this is what I heard in church 10 years ago. And uh, just hang on for a second, because it doesn't matter what background you come from or what political party. The fact is, is that 20-plus years ago, uh, our values in, the, in our Western culture, at least in this culture that we live, were much more in alignment uh, with God's Word than, than they are now. In fact, I, I would even say that uh, there was a day when our Christian values, the values that come from God's Word, were accepted and... and <laughs> possibly even commonplace. And then as time has gone on, uh, I think that they've been eroded and maybe even questioned. And I think there's a day coming um, where, and maybe it's already here, where our, our values and God's values are, are ridiculed and mocked. And therefore, we as Christ followers, those of you who are here today and, and you've accepted Jesus as your Savior and you've become a Christ follower, I, I think that we've gone from a place where we've, gone, we've been respected and, and maybe even accepted in culture uh, because culture kind of like uh, had an alignment with the values that we believe in to a place where now we're questioned and, and we're kind of ridiculed. And, and I believe a time is coming in, in our world where maybe we're going to be even 
persecuted because of our faith. And we're going to be taking a look at this, this character, Daniel, who, who went through the same period of time. And, and i got to tell you, it's interesting. As we begin right out of the gates in this series, I think what you're going to see is, is that Daniel and, and his crew, let's call them his crew, uh, like they did not like point the fingers at other people because of the fact that like a, a, the, the value of the powerful was not in alignment with their, their, their values. What they did is they, they kind of looked within. And they said, I wonder, you know, what we can do internally to, to make a change in culture. I had a conversation just recently with a group of people that I, I know are kind of antagonistic to, to Christianity, the whole idea of church and God and, and God's son Jesus. And uh, in that conversation, I felt like we were making a, a lot of progress. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, they brought up this litany of people that were in positions of leadership in the church over the last 20 years who made a choice that really discounted and disqualified them from the ministry. And essentially what they said to me was, that's why we don't want to follow your God. Because we've seen this happen and, and we've seen the lack of integrity and we don't want to follow that. So I wonder when we point fingers at culture, are we right? Well, maybe. When we look at the fault of this culture being kind of taken away from us or our, our values eroded, is it because of our lack of fight possibly? But I think if we really look within, I think we're going to find the real answer. And that is a lot of times Christians, especially Christians that have the opportunity to stand up for God, um, have a lack of integrity in their own lives. And so today, we're going to begin this journey through the life of Daniel. And I think we're going to learn a lot about what it means to stand strong for God. We've entitled it Lion Tamer. And even if you didn't grow up in church, even if you don't know much about church, when I say the name Daniel, what do you naturally think of? You can talk back to me right now. What do you think of when I say Daniel? You think of what? Lion's Den. Absolutely. Man, you guys are strong. Put the 915 to shame. That was awesome. You think of Daniel being in the lion's den, and you think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We're going to talk about those guys in a moment, and the fact that they went into the fiery furnace. God did an amazing thing there. We're going to get to that in a few weeks. You don't naturally think of Daniel and the choice he made for personal purity. It's not Daniel and personal purity, is it? <laughs> but we see right out of the gates that he makes a choice for personal purity. And that set the stage for him to face the lions in his life. And the lions were physical lions, but I think the real lions that Daniel faced were four different kings. And I'm going to tell you the end of the story, but you've got to promise to come back the next four weeks, all right? The end of the story is, is that the four kings that Daniel had influence with eventually turned back to God. At least three of them, there's evidence that that happened, and probably the fourth as well. That's the end of the story. The story is a great story of an influencer influencing an influencer. But it wasn't pretty along the way. It wasn't for Daniel, and it wasn't for those kings. 
The story goes like this. This is about 500 years after the time of King David. Uh, The temple had been built, and um, it was a period of time in the the split kingdom of the Jewish people of Israel. There was the the split kingdom was split into Israel and and Judah, and there was a group of people in Judah, and they were in Jerusalem, and they they had a series of kings that were, were kings that were ungodly kings. I mean, this is God's people. And this series of ungodly kings led them so far down a path that was against God that even in the temple, there were idols to other gods. And along came a king. He was a king that became a king at the ripe old age of eight. And his name was Josiah. And Josiah was a king that was consistent with God and consistent with his word. And Josiah came into the temple, and and he made a lot of reformation. He changed things. He actually took some of the things that were in the temple that were not of God and took them out and destroyed them. And that was the culture that Daniel was born into. He was born in Jerusalem as, as a good Jewish boy watching this young king make a strong stand for God. And then all of a sudden, Isaiah and Jeremiah had prophesied that this would happen. King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of the Babylonians, who was an evil, terrible, horrible king, came in and took over Jerusalem. And he took thousands of Jews into exile into Babylon, the Chaldean country. And he was so intent on changing the way they thought that he gathered together the best and the brightest and the the best looking and the the, the strongest young people of all of the the people that were in captivity. And he wanted to, to brainwash them. He wanted to change their mind about God. He wanted them to turn their back on God. And so he did everything he could. And that's where we find Daniel and his crew is in captivity in Babylon. With King Nebuchadnezzar. Let's take a look at Daniel. And we're going to read verses 1 through 21 of Daniel chapter 1 this morning. It begins this way. A little bit of history. It says, in the third year of the reign of, king, of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. By the way, after Josiah had made the, the great reforms for God, he was followed by two kings that went back and turned their back on God very quickly. And you see in the, the life of Judah, and you see in the life of the, the Jewish people in that time, um, this, this on and off again Close relationship with God, followed by a period of time when they were far from God. Very, very um, indicative of sometimes our relationship with God, isn't it? On again, off again, faithful, loyal, and then turning their back on God. Verse 2, and the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands. Talking about King Nebuchadnezzar. Don't miss this. Don't miss this, because if we were to stop for a moment and look around at our culture and look at all the evil that's taking place in our culture, all the things that are scary about our day and age, we might think that God's not in control. What we're facing is nothing compared to what they faced in that day. And look at verse 2. It says, the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar. God is still, I want you to hear this, please don't miss this. God is still in control when it seems like God is not in control. He is still in control. 
control. And he still has power over those who are in leadership, even those who are evil in leadership. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, the house of his God, small g, not our God, the one true God. And placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the king commanded Asphanaz, great name for your next kid if you're expecting, okay? No, it's not. I'm kidding. His chief eunuch to bring to bring some, that was not a good suggestion, by the way. Uh, I take that back. To bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and nobility, youths without blemish of good appearance and all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, and learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them literature and the language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king himself, I'm going to add that, ate. And the wine that the king himself drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Now, so that's King Nebuchadnezzar. He's trying to brainwash these young people that have a great opportunity and a great future in front of them. And he's offering them food from his pantry and wine from his collection. The king's pantry and the king's collection. That's a big deal. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? It'd be nice to eat the food of the king and drink the wine of the king, right? But take a look at what happens here. We get introduced to Daniel and his crew here in verse 6. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, uh, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them these names. Those were their Jewish names. These are the names. Daniel he called Belteshazzar. Hananiah he called Shadrach. Mishael he called Meshach. And Azariah he called Abednego. But Daniel, in verse 7, I want you to capture this, or in verse 8. Daniel, say that next word with me, resolved. He resolved. If you're in your Bible, it says, may, may say chose. Or it might say decided or something like that. Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And check out what happens in verse 9. God gave Daniel what? Favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. This one that served under the king. Gave Daniel, this man of God, favor and compassion from the one that was in charge. And the chief of the eunuchs, this is one of my favorite verses because we get a little, I think this is a little comedy here. The chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, uh, hey Daniel, <laughs> I kind of fear the Lord my king who assigned your food and your drink. Uh, for why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who are his own age, of your own age? So why would you endanger my head with the king? He's like, hey, thanks, Daniel, for putting me in this position and making that request. I appreciate that. Thanks. You want me to go to the king and say, hey, king, sorry. He's not going to eat your food. He's not going to drink your drink. 
This is like someone who's up and coming in a, in a, in a company, and, and the boss, you know, the, the CEO or who's in charge says, hey, let's go to lunch, and you go to lunch, and you're like, I'm not going to have the lunch that you're having. It's not going to be the best thing for upward mobility. Not the best career choice, that's for sure, right? Verse 11, then Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. And if you've ever been on the Daniel fast or the Daniel diet, this is where it came from. Pulls from the ground. That's where it came from. It didn't come from a book that someone wrote. Okay, test your servants for ten. It came from this book that God wrote. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. Verse 14, I don't want you to miss this. So he, talking about this one who was in charge, one of the eunuchs that was in charge for the king, he, what's that next word? He listened. The one who had great influence listened to Daniel in this matter and tested them for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were in better appearance and fatter in flesh. That doesn't mean they were fat. It means they were strong, okay? Then all of the youths who ate the king's food. Verse 16, so the steward took away their food and wine that they were drinking. He gave them vegetables. He's like, this is a great idea. This worked. I think we're going to do this. Wow, it's amazing that this works. Let's, let's do this all, all, all with all the other use. As for these use, God gave them learning and skill and all literature and wisdom and Daniel understanding and all visions and dreams. At the end of the time, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar, and the king spoke with these men, uh, and among them none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all of his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. Now here's the thing. Sometimes what we do as Christians is we want to be the lion tamer now. Like we think, man, if something goes down and I'm challenged to stand for myself or the world or whatever it is, if I have the choice between that and God, I'm going to stand strong. I'm going to be the hero. I'm going to be the lion tamer. And we want it to happen like that. That's not how becoming a lion tamer works. Becoming a lion tamer takes time. Phillips Brooks says that character may be manifested in the great moments, but character is made in the small ones. Character may be manifested in the great moments, but it's made in the small ones. And here in a moment, we find out from Daniel's life that becoming a lion tamer begins when you and I honestly assess our own level of personal integrity. That's what Daniel was faced with when he was in captivity, and he chose to follow God. And see, I think we want, we want personal integrity, and we want to be the hero now, and we want to be the strong one now. We want to be the lion tamer now. We, we want that to happen just like that. The, the problem is, is that personal integrity 
becoming a lion tamer and personal integrity is learned and it's developed and it's displayed. And that happens in the small moments, but it ultimately happens over, usually over a period of time. Personal integrity is first and foremost learned. Daniel learned integrity from King Josiah's example. You can read about it in 2 Kings 22 and 23 when he, he watches this young king go into the temple and, and take all of these things down that weren't really consistent with what God wanted and what God's word said. And so back in Jerusalem, even before he got into captivity, before he even had the opportunity to be the lion tamer, he was preparing by watching someone of great integrity and character who he admired and looked up to. And if you're here today and you're a student, or perhaps you're in college or new in a career path, or maybe even changing a career path, or if you're still youngish like I am, or you know, I don't know, even if you're retired or whatever, um, it doesn't matter. Um, integrity is something that, that we have to watch happen and, and look for people of great character to model yourself after. We've got to look for people of great character to follow. Secondly, Daniel developed integrity by choosing personal purity. He learned it from King Josiah, but then it got developed when he chose personal purity. In that moment. When he had the opportunity to eat the king's food, would that have been satisfying? Yeah, you bet it would have been. When he had the opportunity to drink the king's wine, would that have been satisfying? You bet it would have been. He chose personal purity. And he took one step forward in becoming a lion tamer. He took one step forward. In fact, he even gave voice to it. And that's, that's the second, that's the third thing. Daniel displayed integrity when he recognized that his choice mattered. Daniel displayed integrity when he recognized that his personal choices matter. You see, what happens when no one's looking is more important than what happens when people are watching. What happens when no one is going to see the decisions that you make? When it's in those private moments where it's just you and God, or maybe you and God and a few people? That's when integrity is developed. And that's when it best actually can be displayed. And sometimes we don't even realize that the decisions that we're making right now, at some point in time in our lives, are going to be displayed. And they're even, either going to give honor and glory to God, or they're not. They're going to do just the opposite. See, a lot of the people that my friends brought up that failed God, that they think of when they think of me and you and Christianity, they chose to eat from the king's food. And we've probably made that choice along the way as well. We've probably made a few choices to compromise along the way. I, I know I have. And integrity is built in those small choices. Daniel displayed integrity when he realized that his choices matter. He even says in verse 12, test your servant for 10 days. He knew that the choice to not eat the king's food would show itself in a very short period of time. And he chose integrity. 
You know, it's interesting, though. I think what Daniel understood because he was a God follower is that his, his choices now would make a, di- a big difference later. In fact, that's one thing I want you to understand today is that personal integrity now sets the stage for powerful influence later. Daniel didn't have, he didn't change the king's plural mind in that moment. But what that did is that built the foundation for him to change their hearts later. And so personal integrity now sets the stage for powerful influence later. And what we see right out of the gates from Daniel's life is that personal integrity is contagious. It happens in the quiet place. It happens in that private moment. But it is contagious. One small choice, one small personal private choice today can lead to huge change tomorrow. It can lead to massive change tomorrow. You see, in verses 8 and 9, when Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself, and when he actually, like, voiced that concern to the leaders who were in charge, that set the stage for him to have great influence later. You see, when we choose personal purity, first and foremost, we honor God with our choices. That's the first thing that Daniel did. He honored God with his choices. You see, he knew that God's law as a, as a Jewish kid uh, was not consistent with what the king was asking him to do. He knew what it would do to him. He understood the culture and what he had grown up in, and he knew that following God meant making the small choice in that moment to choose personal purity, and he honored God with his choices, and that's what happens. When we choose personal purity, we honor God with our choices. Secondly, we receive favor from God with influencers. I've often asked myself when I'm in, in that moment where, like, I want to have influence with someone for God that's, that, that might be in a position of, of leadership, whether it's in, in my, my home with my parents or whether it's with my kids or whether it's with um, students, a, a teacher or, or a professor, college students, or uh, those of you who are here and you're in your career with a boss or people who are part of a corporation. When I've had those moments when I wanted to have influence and I was frustrated because I wasn't having influence, once I looked within and, and double-checked and, and checked where I was in terms of my personal purity, um, I realized I needed to make some changes first. See, becoming a lion tamer begins within. And when we choose personal purity, we give honor to God. We honor him with our choices, but we also receive favor from God with the influencers. I love verse 14. I love verse 14, when after kind of one of the leaders giving Daniel a hard time about like, really, you want me to go to the king with that request? you got to be kidding me. Like, he could have said, Daniel, you're on your own, dude. Good luck with all that. Have fun. (laughs) But later on in verse 14, we read that he listened to them in this matter. He listened to them, and so... When we make choices for personal purity, we honor God. We receive favor from God with influencers. We also gain the respect of influencers. We also gain the respect of influencers. He listened to them. Look at verses, verses 19 and 20. The king spoke to them. They were brought in before the king. I don't know about you. I, I would have 
been nervous? Brought in before this evil king that did terrible things, by the way, in destroying the Jewish king? Oh, my goodness, that would have been terrifying. And the king spoke with them, and among all, none was found like these four men, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And in every matter of wisdom, verse 20, about which the king inquired, he found them better. One pastor says, better than all the crazy people that were already in the king's court. <laughs> the magicians and the, uh, the different people that the king would go to, they were better. And it says that Daniel was there until the first king of Cyrus. And ultimately they had influence for God for four different kings. And then finally, when you and I choose personal purity, we lead influencers to consider significant change. And that's what happens in verse 16. The steward took away their food and their wine. He gave them vegetables. This worked. This Daniel guy's on to something, man. He must know something that we don't. Let's make a change. That's real leadership. That's leadership that's born from within because of one small choice. Listen, I want you to hear, hear this. This applies to me. It applies to you. It applies to all of us. One small personal choice today may lead to significant change tomorrow. It's just like a domino. The first one drops and all the others begin to fall. You know, I mentioned over the past month in 4HHI and our 10-year anniversary that God's done all these amazing things, but I think our best days are ahead. And I think God's going to do incredible things in and through Hilton Head Island Community Church. But i got to be honest with you. Um, we can make or break our influence in our community. And it's all really dependent, first and foremost, on what's going on inside our hearts. It really is determined by what's happening in the inner parts of our hearts and in the secret place of our lives. There's a book uh, by Lance Witt. It's called Replenish, and it's written a little bit towards pastors, and it's written for pastors. If a pastor ever mentions this book, they've probably gone through a difficult time. So here you go. I'm kind of like getting really real with you for a moment. I went through a tough time a few years ago, and I, I read this book. Somebody had recommended it to me, and I think I've read it three times since. It's an amazing book. It's called Replenish. It's not just for pastors. It's for anyone. But I love what he does because he, he really begins the book by talking about personal integrity and character. And he asks the question, is your backstage reflective of your front stage? I love that. We've got a backstage back here is where our students meet on Wednesday nights. And we've got this little tech room over here. And my office is back there. And Lance Witt asked a great question. He says, is the backstage of your heart and your life reflective of what this stage is. In other words, what he's saying is he's saying, are you just putting on a performance in front of people? We've probably all been there before. We probably all have been there where we've just, you know, walked the walk, did the dance. Because we knew people were looking, but it's in the real moment that the backstage is defined. If we want to be lion tamers, if we want to be people who influence the influencers, whether it's in our homes or our businesses or in our nation, in our community, 
It all begins within. It begins when we honestly assess our own level of personal integrity. And my hope and my prayer is, is that you would be honest right now in these few moments that we have left with the Lord as you pray with me this morning. God, I thank you of this example that you've given us from the life of this young man by the name of Daniel, who when he was in Jerusalem was probably about 15 years old. And as we read the history of his life, we find out what great character he had, what great integrity he had. And his ability to lead the influencers and influence the influencers and have an impact on those kings that we'll be talking about over these next few weeks. His level of being able to do that began in that quiet place in his life. It began in that moment that potentially no one would have ever known about. And God, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would lead us to a place where we truly are honest about the backstage of our lives. And God, I pray that you would just breathe a, a new work in our lives just personally. Realizing that um, if, if we don't get the backstage right, the, the display that we're on in just our daily lives, um, it's, it's really not going to matter. In fact, it can do severe damage for you and your kingdom. God, I, I pray right now that you, you, you would investigate our lives, God, that you would just look within, that you would pierce our hearts, and God, that we would get introspective for a few moments, and that we would just ask you to just bring a flashlight into the backstage and see what needs to be changed. God, see what's inconsistent. See where we say one thing, but we do another. See where we preach one thing and live a different way. God, Daniel's ability to influence was all determined ultimately by the personal integrity he had. And God, I pray right now that you would lead those of us who are here in this room, who are Christ followers, to a place where um, we really take seriously in, um, our private world and our private lives. God, I pray that you would help us to clean up what we need to clean. God, you're not looking for perfection. You're just looking for integrity, which really is honesty. That we're consistent, that we're following you in the quiet place, in the quiet moment, and in public. And God, I pray for myself, and I pray for every Christ follower here, that we would just yield to you right now, just in the quietness of this moment as Cynthia plays. I'm just going to ask you, if you're, if you're a God follower, if you're a Christ follower in this place, that you would just take a moment and just ask the Holy Spirit to identify in your life anything that might be inconsistent, anything that would diminish your integrity. Just ask Him right now to identify that for you, just privately. I'm not going to ask for any raised hands or anybody to stand or anything like that. Just you and God. Just talk to Him right now. Ask Him to point that out and identify that. something right now that God has identified um, 
that may be hindering your ability to be a lion tamer, to be someone of great influence. Um, just give that to him now. Confess that honestly to him. <laughs> he already knows it. Just let that go. Give it to him. Ask him for the courage to get through that, to get over it. He doesn't want you to feel judged or guilty, but he wants your heart. He wants my heart. Right now, just give that to the Lord. Just allow him to make that change. Ask him for the courage to talk to someone that you respect about that thing, whatever it may be. God, right now, I pray that you would purify our lives, that you would do a new work in us. God, I pray that you would do a work in our lives that's pure and holy and, and righteous, God, so that we may be able to stand strong when those defining moments in our lives come for you, God. I pray that we would be able to stand strong because we began within. We started looking inside ourselves first. God, help us to be strong enough to go to someone Help us to be strong enough to admit that this is an issue. Help us to be strong enough to be able to work on that thing or those things that you've identified over these past few minutes, God. And I pray that you would begin a fresh, a new work inside us, your people. In Jesus' name I pray. Hey.